Welcome to Celebrate Poe, Episode 6, Poe's Ancestors. My name is George Bartley, and the song you are hearing, Come Rest in This Bosom, is said to be Edgar Allan Poe's favorite song. In this episode, Mr. Poe and I will continue to take a deep dive into the life, times, and works of America's Shakespeare. And I will start with some, with some of the problems in doing this episode. You see, like every human being, Edgar Allan Poe was the product of his ancestry. Knowing more about Poe's ancestors can help us understand more about Poe and the person he became. For example, when we know a little bit about the challenges that Poe's father faced, such as alcoholism, then it is easier to understand Poe's extreme reaction to alcohol. And when we look at Poe's mother's talents as an actress to make an impression on a theater audience, it is easier to understand Poe's ability to make an impression on a reading audience. Poe's mother had a creative talent where she felt compelled that she must share her talents with an audience. And Poe also had a creative talent that he felt passionately he must share with an audience. Having said all that, originally this podcast was over an hour. That was the problem. Uh, At that length, I began to see that it was just becoming way too unwieldy. Uh, I recently became a bit of a genealogy geek, but most people aren't. And I thought back to several years ago when I would pick up a biography and always skip over the genealogy or family history part at the beginning because too often it was just plain boring. So I started going through what I had about Poe's genealogy and cutting out the stuff that just wasn't really essential. So today, I am just talking about Poe's birth parents and some of their ancestors, just information that moves along the narrative. Later episodes, we'll talk on the family history of the Allens, especially Mrs. Francis Valentine Allen, as well as uh, the relationship of Poe to his wife and first cousin, Virginia. And hopefully, this podcast will interview some of uh, the individuals currently alive who are distantly related to Poe. Of course, then I will talk about their family connections. But if you take anything from this episode, remember that Edgar Allan Poe could have gone either of two separate ways. First, the military, as exemplified by his grandfather, or second, fulfilling his potential as an artist, as exemplified by his mother and father. At first, Poe was very excited at the prospect of joining the military during his younger years and even attending West Point. But he took the harder path financially by choosing writing as a career and is generally known as the first American to attempt to make his living solely through writing. In fact, during the year of his death, Poe wrote, Literature is the most noble of professions. In fact, it is about the only one fit for a man. Well, today I will talk about some of the writer's ancestors. Oh, hello, Mr. Poe. How are you, Mr. Bartley? Now, I feel at this point that a discussion of some of my ancestors would be a most appropriate manner in which to commence. 
But before continuing, I would be remiss if I did not request your forgiveness regarding my somewhat nervous demeanor while answering questions during earlier podcast episodes of Celebrate Poe. This is my first podcast, and I do trust that your audience will find it most agreeable. Oh, Mr. Poe, it is said that being nervous for the first few episodes of any podcast is quite normal, and you did very well. Thank you very much, Mr. Bartley. Uh, You may prove to be an agreeable co-host after all. Now, in this podcast episode, I would like to talk to you about your ancestors, the people who made you who you became. First, regarding your great grandfather and grandfather. I believe the latter was to play an important role in the Revolutionary War. Uh, Could you tell us about them? Yes, I most highly welcome the opportunity. Now, you must remember this was the time when we all especially respected the role of our ancestors. My great-grandfather was John Poe. During the 17th century, Mr. John Poe and his wife immigrated to America and settled in Pennsylvania. Their son, David Poe, was my grandfather. Now, even though David held the rank of major in the Revolutionary War, he was affectionately referred to as General David Poe Sr. He was definitely a strong and most decisive man. Yes, General David Poe firmly believed in the cause of the colony's independence from England. My grandfather was a wheelwright and dry goods merchant who, according to most accounts, was rather wealthy. He lived in Baltimore and donated a sum of $40,000 to the struggle. I believe that would be the equivalent of almost half a million dollars today. Uh, One might say uh, that is what is referred to as giving till it hurts, using the current vernacular. My uh, grandfather's generosity was greatly appreciated and most needed by the struggling troops. Now, when General Lafayette toured the United States in 1824, an event I believe was mentioned in a previous podcast, uh, General Lafayette visited Baltimore to inquire about General Poe. General Lafayette's heart still overflowed with gratitude for my grandfather's financial assistance during the Revolutionary War. My grandfather's widow informed General Lafayette that unfortunately her husband had passed away eight years from that time. Well, General Lafayette then visited David Sr.'s grave to pay his deepest respects. Tell us about his children. Now, David Sr. and his wife, Elizabeth Carnes, had six children, several named after heroes of the American Revolution. John Hancock, William, George Washington, and Samuel, reminiscent of Adams. And then, of course, there was my father, David Poe, Jr. Uh, Then could you tell us about your father? Now, David Poe, Sr. planned for his son, David Poe, Jr., to become a lawyer. But my father desired to become an actor, and eventually the attractions of the stage won out. You can imagine how my grandfather became livid when my father joined the thespian club in Baltimore to act full-time. You see, acting was not considered a profitable or respectable profession. 
my father was sent to his uncle's house in Augusta, Georgia. He soon left Augusta to live in Charleston, South Carolina, then a theatrical center. My father thought by living in Charleston, he would have far more theatrical opportunities. I can certainly see how that would be understandable. Until very recently, if a person is seriously interested in the theater, that person would often gravitate towards New York City because of its reputation as a theatrical center. Well, Mr. Poe, would you tell us about your mother's descendants? My dearest mother was the daughter of two actors, Henry Arnold and Elizabeth Smith, both of whom appeared at Covent Garden in London in addition to other theater towns in England. They were married in 1784, and their only child, Eliza, was born two years later. Now, one must understand that the theater meant everything to my grandmother, as well as her young daughter, who later was my mother. To Elizabeth and Eliza, the stage was their work, their play, how they spent their time, and the center of their existences. I would like to think that my grandmother Elizabeth, and especially my mother Eliza, gave me their innate creativity. So at this point, were your mother and grandmother still in England? Yes, but when my mother's father Henry died in 1793, my grandmother and mother supported themselves the only way they knew how. They continued to perform on stage in England. Unfortunately, the prospect of earning sufficient wages became more and more difficult. They decided uh, that there would be more opportunities in America and resolved to become actresses in what was then a relatively new nation. That must have been a very difficult decision. My grandmother and my mother had no idea what their future might bring. In 1795, they set sail, accompanied by a Mr. Charles Tubbs. Their ocean voyage lasted more than a month before they landed in Boston. Well, I guess the obvious question is, did they succeed in finding roles? Most scholars believe that just three months after my mother came to this country, she debuted on stage playing a character named Biddy Blair in the farce by Mr. David Garrick entitled Miss in Her Teens. Now remember, this was a rather challenging role, and my mother was only nine years old. She was praised by the Portland Herald. Miss Arnold and Miss Biddy exceeded all praise. Although a miss of only nine years old, her powers as an actress will do credit to any of her sex of mature age. Later that year, my grandmother Elizabeth married Mr. Charles Tubbs, a musician. They decided to join with the manager, Mr. Edgar, to form a theater troupe called the Charleston Comedians. Perhaps that manager served as the source for my name. Or perhaps I was named for the character of Edgar in Shakespeare's King Lear, a play in which my mother received great acclaim in the role of Cordelia. Nevertheless, when my grandmother died while they were in North Carolina, Eliza did stay with the theater group. Now, it was common in the early 1800s to travel from city to city. Theater owners had to constantly produce a variety of titles for an eager public, so my mother learned many roles. 
my mother was to play hundreds of parts in a most impressive career. When she was 15, my mother married Mr. Charles Hopkins, but Mr. Hopkins died three years later, unfortunately, possibly of yellow fever. My dear mother was now an 18-year-old widow. That must have been a very difficult situation for all involved. Mr. Poe, let's take a break now, and in our next episode, I would like to hear more about your mother and the man she married. Sources for this episode include Edgar Allan Poe, a critical biography by author Hobson Quinn, The Poe Log, a documentary life of Edgar Allan Poe by Dwight R. Thomas and David K. Jackson, Edgar Allan Poe, The Man by Mary E. Phillips, Edgar Allan Poe by George E. Woodbury from the American Men of Letters series, and Life of Edgar A. Poe by Eugene L. Didier. I encourage you to ask questions from the character of Mr. Poe, or even myself, at CelebratePoe, that's all one word, CelebratePoe at gmail.com. There's no need to include your name unless you specifically say you want a shout-out. Uh, I do have a few questions from my days of at History Alive as Poe, but I want to deal with the subjects that you are the most interested in. Again, that's CelebratePoe at gmail.com. And please subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss any episodes of Celebrate Poe. Let me end by thanking you very much for your interest in downloading this podcast. In a little over three weeks, Celebrate Poe has attracted almost 80 downloads from eight countries in three continents for a historical subject with basically no publicity. Uh, Just wait until we finished the first portion of this podcast uh, that deals with the events and influences of Poe's youth. Then we'll go to volcanic eruptions, to Frankenstein, and have future episodes that deal with a Christmas spent by the Allen family in one of the most beautiful places in the United States. Also future episodes will deal with the Allens traveling through the terrifying forests of rural Virginia and the summers that the family spent at White Sulphur Springs, a resort area that not only showed the members of the Southern aristocracy how to act, but served as a place to see and be seen. Again, thanks for joining us. (laughs) 